Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, we ask you, as we always do, to be here with us this morning, and we trust that you have kept your promise and are here. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts, your thoughts. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Aren't those words that you're just desperate to hear? You are my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. I feel like I'd do almost anything to hear those words. You are my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. So I want to talk this morning a minute about how it might be that we could hear those words from God. The same Lord who spoke those words over his son, Jesus Christ, maybe there's a way that he can say them to us too. You are my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. But first, before we get there, I want to take a second to acknowledge the sort of stark reality of the booming voice from the sky and the uniqueness of this event. Um, When I was in college, I had a friend who was this really outgoing individual, which meant he was sort of not from the same species as me. But he got it into his head that, well, a good thing to do would be to do this thing that he called contact evangelism. I've never heard the term before or since. I think he made it up. But what he meant was that we should go out onto campus and talk to random strangers and tell them about Jesus. Now, I thought I'd like to be a different person than I was, so I signed up for this group. Um, Just so you know, I didn't make it past the informational meeting. As far as I got talking to strangers about Jesus. And look at me now. Um, But I got enough to know, to learn what it was that I was supposed to say to a stranger to start the conversation about Jesus. You were supposed to walk up to somebody and say, Hi, my name's Nick. Do you believe in God? And if so, how would he reveal himself to the world? Do you believe in God? And if so... How would he reveal himself to the world? And boom, you're off and running, hopefully soon, to save another soul for Jesus Christ. Do you believe in God? And if so, how would he reveal himself to the world? In our reading this morning, we see exactly how God decides to reveal himself to the world. Now, until this point, things about Jesus have been relatively speaking, normal. (laughs) Not totally. I mean, there's the circumstances surrounding his birth, and he showed real precociousness teaching in the temple as a young child. There were sort of a lot of Old Testament prophecies that it seemed that he was fulfilling, but there was no really direct evidence that he was something special or unique. I mean, even the story about his Birth was sort of a long time ago. She was allegedly a virgin, at least that's what she claimed. This is sort of all in the mists of the past. This is 30 years later. Jesus has sort of come back to normal. He's just one of the crowd 
at this baptism, right? But then everything changes. Luke doesn't even give us the impression that this is a day that started out as anything special. It's totally normal. John is in the river, Jordan, baptizing. This is what he does. He's called John the Baptist after all. If you recall, Jesus is not the one at this point who's got the following. It's John. Even though John is constantly saying, pointing to someone else, saying that I'm coming to bear witness to another, it's John that everyone's following. So the crowds are flocking to John to be baptized. It certainly wasn't a private affair. Luke says that, quote, when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized. So Jesus here is just part of a big group being baptized by John. But all of a sudden, this day became very different. God is now going to make it official. This is God's answer to the contact evangelism question. Do you believe in God and how would he reveal himself in the world? This is how God decides to make himself known, to reveal himself to his world. Jesus is praying probably alongside a whole bunch of other folks who'd just been baptized by John, and then the skies open. The Holy Spirit descends on one man in bodily form, it says, like a dove, descending so that everyone there can see it. And then a voice comes down from the heavens. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. You, this booming voice, you are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. And Jesus goes in that instant from seeming like one in a crowd to being one of a kind. This is God's son. This is the beloved. He has pleased Almighty God. It's reminiscent, isn't it, of the creation where the Lord creates the plants and the animals and the birds and the fish and finally Adam and Eve and he rests and he's pleased. He calls his creation good. We all live happily ever after, right? <laughs> Not quite, actually. After the initial pleasing creation, it seems that there's actually more displeasure than pleasure for God. He creates humankind, and we break the rules immediately. Adam and Eve eat the fruit. Cain kills Abel. We build the Tower of Babel. It all goes downhill pretty fast. So God sends the flood, but saves Noah and his family, and everything starts again. He gives the people the law to live by, but before Moses can even get down the mountain with the law, the people are worshiping a golden calf. This is what we do. This is what God's people are really like. God spends almost the whole Old Testament displeased with his people. They're still his. He's still chosen them. And he still works tirelessly to save them. But they are a trying bunch. Read Judges sometime if you want sort of a history of the trying nature of God's chosen people. But now comes Jesus. Now, that often exasperated voice from heaven 
says, you are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. And now, a historically displeased God is pleased in Jesus Christ. So let's talk about pleasing God. How can we do that? Don't we want to hear these words too? You are my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. I was thinking this week as I was preparing the sermon about a text from the prophet Micah. This is not because I'm so biblically literate and just always have Old Testament prophets in my head. Um, I sang a song in youth group sort of over and over again that was written from this verse, um, Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Actually, this was the title of the song where create creatively named Micah 6.8. I'm going to actually start reading in verse 7, so one verse before the song. Let me start like this. Micah says, will the Lord be pleased? So he's already talking about how to please God. He says, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. The prophet is saying, do you want to know how to please God? Don't give him the usual sacrifices, oil, rams, firstborn children. That stuff isn't worth anything. If you really want to please God, do these simple things. Act justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly with God. Now years later, it'll be said in a different way by Jesus Christ. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Different words, same message. Pleasing God is about these simple things. Act justly. Do good. Love mercy. Be merciful. Walk humbly with God. Simple, right? Of course, remember that God has spent the years between Adam and Eve and John the Baptist consistently displeased with how his chosen people are doing. They never do what he wants. They always complain. They have not acted justly. They have not loved mercy. They do not walk humbly with him. Apparently, being told how to please God does not actually make us any more able to do it. And guess what? We, we can proudly continue their tradition. Just look honestly for a moment at your life. Act justly. Do the right thing. Love mercy. Always forgive. Walk humbly with your God. Turn everything over to him? Not so much. This life we're living, you and I, my dear friends, is not the way to please God. The children of Israel didn't act justly, love mercy, or walk humbly, and neither do we. So once again, we've started with the bad news You and I are not pleasing God. 
that, that nagging worry you have that you're not measuring up, it's justified. The fear you have that you're choosing the wrong way, that you're not living your life the way Jesus would have you live it, that you're not doing what Jesus would do, that's an accurate diagnosis. The, the Apostle Paul is dealing with this exact worry as he writes his letter to the Romans. Now, remember, he's writing to the Romans, but he's never been to Rome. He's never met the Romans. He wants to go, but he doesn't know these people. And yet he writes to them who he has never met and tells them that they are not pleasing God. Well, how does he know? He's never been there. He says to them, there is none righteous, not even one. You see, Paul knows the history of God's people. He knows all the stories about God's displeasure. But most of all, Paul knows himself. And he knows, he calls himself the chief of sinners. And so he knows that the Romans are human beings. And so he knows enough. But Paul doesn't stop there. We never stop with the bad news. He does say that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but he goes on. He says, and those same people, you and me, who have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, are justified, made right, freely, by God's grace, through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. And just like that, the bad news becomes good news. Sinners made right by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And just how good is this good news? Well, remember once again the voice that came from the heavens. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. You see, many Christians believe that the good news is that Jesus enables you to please God. On our own, we would all admit, we cannot act justly, we cannot love mercy, we cannot walk humbly with God. But with Jesus' help, we think, with a little bit of that Jesus juice, maybe we can. If we follow his example closely enough, we can do anything. If we obey his words righteously enough, if we do all the right things. That just puts the responsibility back on us. And we've already seen our track record when the responsibility is on us. The real good news is so much better than that. Jesus means that you don't have to please God because God is already pleased by Jesus. I know that sounds crazy. I'm going to say it to you again. Jesus, the fact of Jesus Christ, his life and death and resurrection for us, Jesus means that you don't have to please God because God has already been pleased by Jesus Christ who then gave that pleasure to you. You see, when the heavens opened up and the voice came booming down, it didn't say, you are my son the beloved, and you will give these others the ability to please me. No. God said, 
You are my son. With you, I am pleased. Jesus pleases God. And then he gives that pleasing to you and to me. Listen again to Paul writing to the Romans, this time from chapter 8. He says, What the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. In other words, what the rules couldn't do because they had to rely on you and me to keep them, what they failed to do, God did. God accomplished by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. He looked like us. He looked like a sinner like you and me, but he wasn't like us. He was righteous and then gave his righteousness to us. God did what the law couldn't. When we failed to please God, when the law didn't inspire us, he sent his son to be pleasing for us. When we don't do justly, when we don't do the right things, he does. When we don't love mercy, when we can't forgive someone, he does. When we don't walk humbly, when we take the credit for ourselves, he walks humbly for us. When Jesus had been baptized with the crowd and was praying, the skies opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. God is pleased with Jesus. Well pleased. And we, you and I, are in Jesus. Jesus has given his goodness to us, covered us with his blood. Jesus has pleased God, so our failure to do so is washed away forever. And that is the best news of all. So let us always remember that when our consciences groan, which they will, and we begin to fear that God is displeased with us, that the words he spoke to Jesus, those very same words apply through Christ's blood to us, to you, and to me. You are my children, my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Amen.